You're listening to Heart of the Ark podcast from the Office for Evangelization in the Archdiocese of Newark. We're coming to you to bring knowledge and some courage as we voyage through this life as missionary disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ. My name is Jennifer Benke, and I'm co-hosting this podcast with my friend and colleague, Father John Gordon. Hello, dear friends, and welcome once again to Heart of the Ark, the podcast of the Office for Evangelization of the Archdiocese of Newark. Once again, I'm Father John Gordon, and I'm joined by the Associate Director of the Office, Jennifer Banke, and it's our privilege to serve the Lord in this office, to serve the Lord himself, and also to be part of this great work of helping all of God's people to come to know the Lord more deeply and to share that knowledge with others as well. So without much further ado, I'd like to begin by drawing us in together in prayer. And so let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for this day, this day of grace that you have given to us. We pray, Lord Jesus, that we would use this day well, that we would respond to the persons and circumstances that we confront and experience this day. We might do everything in the spirit of joy and trust and abandonment to you. For knowing, Lord Jesus, that everything is in your hands and you already have a solution to every situation in which we find ourselves. We invoke the Blessed Mother, the angels, and all the saints to accompany us and to join us in prayer. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This being the time of the year that we're in, the beginning of November, and soon to get ready for Thanksgiving and then Advent and Christmas seasons, this is also a time of challenge in the sense and joy. Families come together. Because of the nature of these things, they are wonderful and they're challenging at the same time. They're wonderful because we often see family and friends that we don't see very often, and we get to enjoy them and appreciate the gift that they are for ourselves and our lives. At the same time, it's a challenge because one of the things that happens in our families is that, I don't know about your family, but in my family, we don't all agree on everything. No, that's true. (laughs) We don't all see everything eye to eye in the same way. And because it goes from the simple to does the toilet paper go over or under to the very complex, like are you voting red or blue or is Jesus real or whatever it might be, that becomes much more challenging. And in our culture that is now canceled and woke culture, there's a dismissiveness about people that we don't agree with. And so this can be a very challenging aspect of getting everybody together for the holidays. And that's why I'm glad we began this session with prayer, because that becomes a starting point, I think, for any kind of familial or any kind of gathering that we have at any time, but especially during these holidays that we recognize that this is a time that we really need to be in the Lord's presence and begging His grace throughout the whole situation. And so to soak it in prayer is a very good thing. Absolutely. And so it's just good to invoke the Lord to be prepared for that in that respect. And I think, too, that there's a way in which we want to recognize that the Lord already has uh, this whole thing blessed. This whole thing is an occasion for grace. And so to realize that and to, to trust in that. 
at the same time, you might be hosting family or you might be going to family and friends in which there is some significant disagreement, in which there's been gatherings in the past that have become fractious and divisive because of how conversations have gone. And you'd like to kind of come this year to a much better and healthier way of doing that. And so we want to propose a couple of things that can be helpful for you in that regard. And I think in the first place that we want to be able to listen to one another, to truly listen to one another. I was reading an article recently in Time magazine, and it was about persuasiveness. And it was suggesting a way in which it could help change other people's minds. But I thought the principles were helpful, not just for changing people's minds, but just for being present to a conversation uh, or a situation that might have some difficulty where we're not seeing things eye to eye. And the first thing it suggested was to, in the other person's presentation, for example, to dig for what's going on beneath the opinion. If the opinion is dismissive about something that you think is important or about something that you disagree with, rather than just dismiss it, what's underneath it? Why do you feel that way about such and such a thing or such and such a thing? You might not need to ask them directly, but you could be listening to the, the hidden curriculum we used to say in schoolwork, for example. Right. And one of the things that goes along with that is asking the right kinds of questions. Why do you believe that? Or tell me about why you feel that way. You don't want to just ask questions in a heated way, like, what kind of moron thinks that? I mean, that's not a helpful question to go from a dis and keep it a disagreement and not go into conflict. So you want to really keep in the, in the conversation that love for the other person, that familial love, and really walk with them into where they're going. And often enough, people hold strong opinions lightly. In other words, yes, there are some people that are dyed in the wool about whatever position they have, but there are others who just think that way because they think that's the way they ought to be thinking or people that they listen to and the environments that they find themselves in think that way. So it's not necessarily a deeply felt conviction. And so dig to why it's there. Is it other people you respect or listen to or you have an experience that makes you think that way? Another thing it suggested was that in our own presentation to focus on the world we want, not what we oppose. And so, for example, if in our sharing about a life of faith, to talk about the priority of faith in people's lives, a relationship with Christ, to talk about it positively as opposed to, oh, these people don't believe anything anymore, and to just be critical of people for whom it is not as strong a thing as it is for yourself, that's not going to serve. But to talk about what you really would like to see, not just for the other person, but in the bigger context of the world. And when you find places where you agree, to really start from those agreement points and build out. You and I both appreciate having Sunday dinner with our families and then build out from that, why is that? What tradition does that belong to? And how does that mimic our faith tradition? And, and why do we do these things, in a, to go back to our last conversation, in almost a ritualized way? That's right. We both agree that the human person is of great value and dignity and not to be ridiculed or marginalized. And so all those kinds of ways in which we can find common ground, that's, that's excellent. And another one is to talk less and do more. You know, in other words, um, sometimes talk just becomes 
louder and louder, and especially if there's other agents that have lubricated the voices, so to speak, <laughs> in holiday moments, it becomes a matter of who can talk the loudest or um, and the like. But the issue can be, what can we do together? You know, so here it is Thanksgiving Day. We're arguing about this or that, or maybe not even arguing, but disagreeing about this or that. But you can both say, hey, do you want to go do some shopping together tomorrow? Do you want to go to some event together? Do you want to do some act of justice or kindness to another? Those kinds of things to kind of move it beyond that you and I disagree about something to is there something we can do together? Maybe it's something we've done in the past that was a point of communion for us and to kind of rediscover that once again. Yes. In my family, after the Thanksgiving meal, it's a tradition that after the dishes are done from dinner, we actually get up and we walk down to the boat dock and we take in the marvel that is God's creation. Usually, I mean, if it's not freezing cold or raining, but then we'll come back. No matter what was said or shared at the dinner table, that reflection in quietness of God's beauty at the lake is really something that I hold precious and we've passed down to the younger generations. So. That's wonderful. And even if somebody didn't find it as precious as you found it, just being together is a value. Absolutely. And and so those kinds of things. Or you could say, okay, I appreciate you don't like to do this as much. Please join me in this. What do you like to do? And I'll join you in that. Right. So that it can have this for that kind of uh, approach. Yes. I know that as a mom, there's also often times when there's conflict between the younger ones. And so mm -hmm. I give them a mission to go accomplish themselves. Yes. If, if they're disagreeing, sometimes I'll say, you know what? Go walk the dog, both of you. <laughs> Just get out of the house, go work it out, and then come back. Because I know that that process of shared caregiving for our favorite puppy is also going to draw them closer into where they are as, as people. That's great to have those kinds of awarenesses and realities. One of the things I think that also some people experience in this context of the family being together is being attacked, finding yourself on the defensive end about faith, about the church, about all sorts of issues. And for, sometimes there's a member of the family that's a bit of a bully about this and just pushes and pushes and pushes and others either agree with them or say nothing to help you. And you can feel very, very isolated. And I just want to encourage that person to realize that one of the things I want to encourage you to do is, again, if you've been praying ahead of time, preparing yourself for this, realizing this might be the environment, you're strengthened, not in the sense of you can fight this back, but in the sense of the inner conviction of what is true. Even if others don't see it, you know what the truth is. You know who the truth is. It's the person, Jesus. And the other thing to say, I want to encourage our listeners, if you find yourself in that position, to not be defensive but to be apologetic. And by apologetic, I mean to just proclaim the truth. The church, the Lord God, Jesus does not need to be defended. They just need to be witnessed to. Right. It's, it's the great Catholic philosopher Bono from U2 <laughs> who says— There's a cult. There's a, there's a generational divide. That's right. Who says, stop walking God across the street like a little old lady. He doesn't yeah. need to be defended. Right. He, he is. He is all that is. And so just be convicted in what we know of truth. This might not be the moment to have this conversation, not with an audience, depending on the company, and it's not the time to engage in these kinds of conversations. So. Yes, very often it's a question of we're not looking so much for conflict resolution, 
but conflict avoidance at that moment. But to say to somebody who may have been a bully and may be aggressive in this situation to say, you know what, I appreciate you have very strong feelings about this. I respect that. I ask you to respect the fact that I have strong feelings about this. Can we agree that this isn't the place or time to debate this? But I'd be willing to have a conversation with you about this another place in time. I think sometimes we feel like we have to force a resolution and really allowing time for those seeds of of the truth to percolate in people. When tempers have cooled, when whatever has lubricated our minds has washed away and we've engaged in more activities that bring us closer together, then those are the the quiet moments of, okay, can we broach the subject with a little cooler heads? Is this the time to have those conversations? That's right. And remember, it's digging for what's behind their opinion. Very often people have very strong opinions or they act like a bully in a situation because they've been hurt about something. And we can't deny that. We have to respect their space and their situation. As Pope Benedict reminded us, the church proposes, not imposes. And so all we're inviting people to is an awareness of Jesus. Another kind of environment you might experience during these holidays is that you, especially as the host, have uh, children or grandchildren or other family members and friends who are indifferent to the faith. They don't take it seriously. They're not hostile to it, but it's certainly not where you'd like it to be, not how you long for them to be. You want to use the occasion of Thanksgiving, for example, as how do we kind of raise up a spiritual conversation or raise up an awareness or an opportunity for them and for yourselves to kind of give witness to the faith. And so, for example, if you're the host of the family for Thanksgiving and you can say, hey, as we begin to go around the table, let's just go around the room and just be thankful, express our thankfulness for one thing. Don't even have to say thankfulness to God if you feel that would be a challenge just to say, what are you thankful for? Just go around the room very quickly. And if that worked well, you might say, okay, let's do round two. See if anybody else has got one. If you have another one as well, you know, is there only one thing in life you're thankful for? But I think those kinds of opportunities where you can direct a conversation to move from insignificant, trivial things to things that are of great value. So listen when your children or whomever go around the room and they're grateful for something that you think is silly or you think is unimportant or whatever it might be, and to make sure that you bring that into the dinner conversation. Oh, you expressed your gratitude to the fact that you have no homework this weekend. Is that because you have a lot of homework all the time and it's just something you don't, you know, or whatever it might be, that you somehow prove that you were listening to them and respecting them? Because if you are going to be the one that's helping them grow closer to the Lord in some way, shape, or form, and we are the bully, we are the difficult person, we're going to represent, if that's the kind of God that he is, I'm not interested. And so I think that we want to be very attentive to creating an environment that is hopeful and productive and not imposing, but proposing. And also doesn't play down the real hurts that people have. There are many times when we have to recognize that there are real hurts that the church has been in the center of. And so those opportunities for not getting defensive and meeting the person in love and allowing them to really express what is on their hearts and what is in their minds and then ask God to be the salve for that. We don't have to be for that wound. The scars scars are always going to remain, but Jesus is the one who glorifies those scars. It's not anything, certainly not anything I can say at the dinner table, but 
if I ask afterward, can I pray with you? If there's something that's shared in a way that really expresses a hurt, to take the opportunity later on, maybe when you're washing the dishes together, or, you know, uh, throwing the napkins in the laundry. We always use uh, cloth napkins. We're very fancy at Thanksgiving. So uh, throw, if whoever's gathering up those linens or whatever, like to take those moments, like, how are you doing? You know, how can I help you? Is this an opportunity for me to pray for you? Would that be helpful to you? Beautiful. That's very wonderful. That's very caring. And I think the other thing, too, is to recognize that the goal is Jesus, not even the church. The goal is Jesus. And people do want to love him. People do want to have an encounter with him. People do want to be saved, even if they don't realize what that means. I'm going to pull out my book that you made me read. No, <laughs> one of the many books that Father John passes on to me. There's this book, uh, Clear and Simple, How to Have Conversations That Lead to Conversion. And it's by the Catholic Christian Outreach. I understand that it's going further into their original document that says intentional accompaniment here. But they have this quote that I thought was so important. Without genuine relationships of trust, we risk our intentional accompaniment becoming a task to be completed and people may become goals to be accomplished rather than brothers and sisters with transcendent dignity. And I thought that was really important to hear. You know, there's there's so many times when we feel like we have to make disciples and there's this urgency. And yes, the proclamation of the kingdom is an urgent message to the world. The world is in urgent need of it. But is this the time that I urgently need to push the kerygma on? Or can I just invite the person to come closer to a relationship with me that will lead them to Jesus? Because the goal of every pilgrim is Jesus. He's the leader of the pilgrimage, not us. He is the content of our proclamation. Yes. Yeah. And he's the subject of it all. And and the other piece of it is, especially if there's a way in which you perceive the other person as living in a way that is not helpful for their lives. And so you want to proclaim the truth to them because you have a relationship where you can. And if you proclaim the truth to them as you understand it in such a way that they don't feel experience freedom, then somehow it wasn't the truth. It was just a lot of facts. The Word of God tells us in the eighth chapter of John's Gospel that you will learn the truth and the truth will make you free. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I was listening to another podcast recently and he was talking about when he had a conversion, he went to his family members who were living in a bad way as he had been at one point and he was admonishing them about the truth. And he was right, he was saying about the truth, but they could not receive it because he was so negative. And some of them to this day are still opposed to the church because of his behavior at that time. And he kept saying, but we were speaking the truth. And I was resistant in my heart. I found myself saying, no, you didn't. You spoke a bunch of facts that were accurate in the sense of this behavior leads to this kind of consequences, whether in the immediate or eternity. But If it were truth, it would have set them free. And so we want to always be mindful of how we are coming across to the other and praying for them. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the conversion of Cornelius in the 10th chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. And Cornelius is a Gentile who'd been praying, and the Lord told him, send for Peter, who's at 
Straight Street in Joppa at the house of Simon the Tanner. And meanwhile, Peter has a vision of the sheet with all the animals, take and eat, nothing unclean, take and eat. So Peter is compelled to go to the house of Cornelius. He believes wasting his time to proclaim Jesus because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Why would Cornelius have any interest or why would Jesus have any interest in Cornelius? And as he's speaking... The Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius and his whole household, and they begin to prophesy and pray in tongues, and it's just like Pentecost. And they were overwhelmed that they did not expect this. And my takeaway from that for us, dear listeners, as you get ready for holiday gatherings or any kind of encounter, whether it be Thanksgiving Day or the month of December or whatever it might be, is to beg the Lord to meet the Cornelius that the Holy Spirit has already gotten there. And so all you have to do is just a little bit and all the heavy lifting has been done and God just breaks through. And so we should always be prepared to have a reason for the hope that is within us, as it says in 1 Peter 3.15, and also to have a very simple proclamation of the gospel. You know, let's say you're having a conversation with somebody you don't see very often, or you're having the conversation turns deep for some reason, and you find them saying something like, I wish I had the kind of faith that you have. Do we know how to help them get that kind of faith? Do we know how to introduce them to Jesus in such a way that they can not just encounter him, but experience a conversion toward him? And that's why we pray. We pray before, during, after, and have an awareness that because I'm a sinner, sin has entered the world. My relationship with God is broken, and Jesus has come to restore that relationship, and all I need to do is say yes to Jesus and to ask him to be into my life and to run my life, to be not only my Savior but my Lord. And if we can have an ability to articulate that simply, simply, in basic conversation, we'll see it make a difference, I think, in those opportunities that are given to us. It's in those intimate conversations that when two people feel vulnerable, that real conversion can take place. And sometimes that vulnerability comes from sharing parts of your own story, which are hard. And, and we're not good at. We like to put up the uh, nice, clean, filtered social media version of ourselves that's an image. But God comes into the mess. He comes into yes. our messy, broken lives and yes. in the messiest parts of them. Yes. And he's right there with us. And, and when we are able to articulate that and bring the gospel right out of that, this is why he came incarnate into humanity for us. Because he knew all before we even were a, a speck of dust. And that's where he wants to be. He wants to be in the midst of that mess. Yes. You know, he was born in the stable with nothing. You know, he died on a cross naked. I mean, he wants to be in, in the messiness of our lives because that's where we need him. And that's that's what we own. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's me. You yep. know, and I want to come back to one thing else you said before, which I think is very, very helpful, is to not see the other person as a project. Yes. You know, to kind of like be done with. But to see the other person as someone who we love because God loves them. We might have our own natural affection for them in terms of relationship or friendship. But if, if they perceive, if the other person perceives that they are a project, uh, they'll run away from that. They will experience being hurt by that because they will not feel experience it as genuine friendship. And in the Crucio movement, they have a phrase, make a friend, be a friend, bring a friend to Christ. But it's about friendship. And if it's just about being the other person as a project, then something is lost. Because evangelization, conversion is is relational. It's always about that individual person that God loves so much. For God so loved the world, but he so loved you, each one of us, individually, personally. And to never forget that, never lose 
contact with that. And so in that family dynamic, especially if there are voices raised or there does become some kind of conflict that you could not avoid, be attentive to not just the persons who are making all the noise, but the other persons who are watching, perhaps in horror, as what's going on and model a kingdom response. If we want to be opposed to the cancel or woke culture, we want to propose a kingdom culture. And a kingdom culture is one that has confidence that Jesus is Lord, that God is in charge, and that I don't have to fix everything. I can let it go, and I can choose to let the bully just be like water off a duck's back and not bother me. Or I can just simply say, I appreciate how you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way. My experience is different, and that's that. And how about those giants? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not sure that's the way to go. (laughs) Well, there are some disagreements that are fun to have, right? About about sports teams. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, praise God, that's great. That's great. So, dear friends, as we approach these these important days, these uh, can be days that fill us with uh, anxiety and dread or days that fill us with a sense of opportunity and hopefulness. And to come to each day with a sense of, Lord, this is your day. And so, again, I cannot say enough to pray, to bathe the whole thing in prayer. And I would also suggest that our prayer, especially in terms of our own personal prayer, we're going to come to this at some point in one of our podcasts. We'll be talking more about personal prayer and the elements of that. But I would just want to say that the goal of our personal prayer is that we become holy. And by becoming holy, I mean we become more like Jesus. The way St. John the Baptist said it is, I must decrease and he must increase. And if that is our prayer, if that is our daily prayer, if that's what we daily kind of seek the Lord and seek to have our mind conformed to him, to have our will conformed to him, to be aware of him, then that will cover everything else. Everything else will be different because I am becoming different because it's less about me and more about Jesus. So if that's our daily prayer, beginning and throughout and end of the day, then we are well established to deal with any and every situation. And not just in a way that we kind of got through it, but somehow the kingdom of God was able to be advanced, at least in our own hearts, if not the hearts of others. There are times when I allow some hymn tunes to go through my head. And so the one that I've been thinking about today, uh, it's from, my song is Love Unknown, but it's the line, Oh, who am I that for my sake my Lord should take frail flesh and die? And just, who am I? And I think to have that ability to witness to the fact that I know God loves me, I think that is very, very powerful because many people do not know that God loves them. And they fear that, or they resist that, or they don't care. But if we can communicate clearly and accurately the reality that we are loved by God, and that we know that, and that we are imperfect, and that He loves us no matter what, and that even as I stumble and fall, He carries me, He loves me, I am not afraid— Communicating that, witnessing to that alone will make a tremendous difference and impact. And who knows who's listening at that table that might be blessed by that, maybe not then, but maybe later. As we begin to conclude this session of the Heart of the Ark podcast, I want to offer this prayer of thanksgiving to you, dear listeners, to the Lord uh, for you and gratitude. And this is from Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, 
always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy, thankful for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you to move with great strength in the heart of each one of our listeners, in the heart of each one of the family members and friends of our listeners. I ask you, Lord God, to let us each know the joy that you have in us as you try to live and share the gospel. And so, dear friends, I pray that you might know God's goodness and his providence and care for you. And we ask this blessing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And so, dear friends, we conclude today's session of Heart of the Ark podcast of the Office for Evangelization of the Archdiocese of Newark. Be assured of our prayers for you, especially during this holiday season, knowing that the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the gospel of uh, peace uh, can more and more be proclaimed. We look forward to getting together with you very soon on our next podcast. God bless you all. God bless you, Father. Part of the ARC podcast is an initiative by the Office for Evangelization at the Archdiocese of Newark. If you want to find us online, you can find us at rcan.org slash evangelization. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Very soon, we'll be updating our social media for the Heart of the Ark, but you can find us on Fireside Podcasts at heartofthearc.fireside.fm. Our theme song is composed by and orchestrated by Eric Hunter, a dear friend of mine. You can find out more about Eric and his performances and compositions at Eric, E-R-I-C, Hunter, H-U-N-T-E-R, music.com. This has been a pleasure, and I look forward to hearing from you and speaking with you in the future.